So this is today. Today is yesterday and tomorrow is also today. You traveled through time to the present. Yes. Yeah, I don't think you get how time travel works. It's like we're stuck. You know, like a, like a needle on a scratch record. I wake up every day right here, right in Punxsutawney, and it's always February 2nd. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. It's a thing where the same day keeps happening. Time. in a damn time loop or something well it's groundhog day again and that must mean that i am professor robert e.g black and i'm here with parker johnston from dick tracy minute to discuss groundhog day again still always welcome thank you <laughs> i love taking my tone like it's a curse like i'm just stuck <laughs> talking about this movie forever <laughs> to be fair when I was in grad school, I came up with a specific idea of making a documentary to continue my blog. It was a Groundhog Day project and would like go around the country screening the movie and interviewing people afterward, like from the audience, mm. which I still think would be an amazing thing to do just to go talk, like just keep following this one thing forever. I think it's one of the more autistic things I do is just watch the same stuff and repeat the same things. Even when I run D&D games, I end up putting things from my other interests. I'm working on a time loop campaign. I'm working on stuff related to Twin Peaks, where I was doing a Twin Peaks show for a while. I can't help it. So you're younger than me. Did you, were you even alive when this came out? I was. Uh, okay. I was. This came out in 93. I'm like looking at you and I'm like, I can't tell how old you are. That's my intention. <laughs> If I shave, people can't tell how old I am. Either. Well, that's the thing. I wouldn't necessarily assume, having seen you for the first time today, I wouldn't assume that you were a professor with kids necessarily, but it, I'm guessing is... My youngest is 19. Good so, Lord. Yeah. Uh, well, you are older than me. Mm -hmm. So I was born in 89. I am 32. Okay. And I was, I believe, four years old when this film came out. This The first time I would have seen it, was I was probably around five or so when uh, my parents would have rented it for the first time. Mm. I'm pretty sure like during that first few, it was one of those ones that I saw once, remembered it, remembered the vague premise in a few bits, probably saw it again by the age 10. And then after that, it became one of those informal annual things. Uh, one one yeah. of the, the big soft spots I have for it was that there's a lot of movies that like we would like mandatorily rewatch each Christmas, you know, like, and it's always great. And you always look forward to them. Yeah. We would never explicitly plan to rewatch Groundhog Day as a family on February 2nd. And then almost every year we'd be like, should we watch it? Yeah, let's watch it. And it would be so great every time. And I love the lack of expectations and the spontaneity to that. And yeah, so it's been, it's, it's probably a good 20 times for me over the years. And okay. without fail, I always wake up and play. I got you, babe, every morning, February 2nd. <laughs> if I'm alone, I got to do it in my own apartment solo for the first time this year, which was great. That was my kind of waking up and it's different. It's every, everything's different. It's not the usual house I'm waking up in for you got out uh, of Groundhog Day. <laughs> exactly. That was, that was a very uh, emotional experience this year. And, uh, and other years just, you know, walk into work, playing it on my phone. Everyone else has forgotten, loved it. 
loved whenever they would play. I got you babe over the PA system in the morning in high school. I loved that. <laughs> it's a great song. I love that song. So I, I mean, as everyone knows, I've without my blog, probably I wouldn't have seen it that many more times than you because I saw it in the theater when it was out. I think we had it on VHS pretty quickly. And so it was probably maybe once a year for a while there. That's why I don't know the exact number I've seen it. I know for the blog itself, I've watched it 400-ish times. <laughs> Sometimes there were extra. I literally was watching it twice at the same time once. Like two monitors? Because I had just gotten the digital, like the high resolution copy on my iPad. And so I was doing new screen grabs while it was on on my TV. It's, it's next level. Yeah. Phil Connors would be impressed by that himself. <laughs> I wish Bill Murray would be. <laughs> hey, you never know. That's the, you never. Know. He, he's a problem, but I'd still totally want to interview him if I had the chance, I think. I could see if you reached out to him, maybe he's never heard of Film Minutes before. Mm, and that right. could be the type of thing that he's just so wowed by, that concept, that he could do it. You never know what that oh, guy. Oh, yeah. I, I got the uh, phone number. You know, his he's famously has a hotline you can call to suggest projects. But the voicemail was full. What are the odds? I haven't called again since. I'm like, ah, I need to. Just be like, here's a thing. I watch, I watch your movie <laughs> every day, as you do. Yeah, the Tobolowski voice, I'm sure, would really sell him. That would be, uh, <laughs> nobody does that. I'm sure he's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so this minute where uh, minute 20 starts, he's just, he's just gotten out of bed last minute. It is now officially in the time loop. This is day two. And he is at the sink throwing water in his face. At the end of this minute, he throws water in his face two times. And as my wife, who was a guest last week, pointed out, he does not look at himself in the mirror, hmm. which is something I never noticed in all of these times I've watched the movie. That's strange. Is it? He goes in there and does not look at himself. He just throws water and even still hunched over, mostly because his face is dripping, gets the towel and walks out of the room. I'd like to take a poll amongst people I know. Hmm. I'm assuming everyone looks at themselves in the mirror. But I could see being surprised where everyone says, oh, I never look at myself in the mirror first thing in the morning. I look terrible. I'm assuming everybody does. I don't, I don't have much of a choice because the mirror, where the mirror is in the bathroom, I've got to be in front of it to get to you know, use the sink. He's in front of it and doesn't look up. It would be interesting if there was some indicator on his face from the night before that wouldn't be there now that would have given it away for him. But yeah, there's nothing like that. Right. There's supposed to be indicators in the room, but we don't get to see them. Mm -hmm. Notes on that again this minute, I believe. And so the DJs are going on the same way they were last time. He uh, he says they're playing the wrong tape. Yeah. Yeah. Playing yesterday's tape. So that's an odd, like, okay. So if you'll allow me to, my read of this situation is he gets up, he hears the, the same song and the same banter again. He says they're playing the wrong tape, but then nothing changes. Like he washes his face. And then he walks back out and they're still playing the wrong tape, but he acts like something clued him into the fact that it's different. That's one of the things we miss. Yeah. Well, so like my read without knowing what else they was in the room that they planned to show and didn't, my read was either that he washes his face. He's more awake now. And he realizes, wait a second, like morning shows in small towns don't just play a tape. Like, what am I thinking? Because he's... Yeah, not the next day. Yeah. If they take a vacation, they might play some best of clips from recent sure, episodes. Sure, right? But they would have substitution hosts on to say what well, yeah. day it is and stuff like that. So it could be that, or it could also just be that the room tone, or I'm sure we'll get into it, like stuff is different or stuff is the same 
from the previous day yeah. that has nothing to do with the radio. In the this is still the shooting script, right? Yeah, the final revision. We do see the night before we get a clip of him in this room. I would have been after he took a shower where he is kind of packing up stuff and he throws his shaving kit onto a table, knocking over mm-hmm. a vase of flowers and the vase breaks. Okay. So in the morning, we get a specific reaction to the vases on the table. That would do it. We would also see if the camera were even a little bit lower, we'd notice that this is a, the same morning because his outfit is out on a chair. There's stuff in certain places. If you're staying in a hotel, you Some people might not have this because they just throw things wherever, but I would know if something wasn't where I left it the night before because I put them where I want them in the morning Mm -hmm. if I'm at a hotel or bed and breakfast. But this scene serves another reason, though, is it not just that he notices the wrong tape, but he interacts with it. Mm -hmm. He says that chap lips line Mm -hmm. and they're establishing right away he can remember stuff which is big fuel I use when I argue against the people who say how long he's been in the time loop and how it's been really long. I'm like, no, he's just really good at this. Uh, so how long, like I know that the, in the original idea for it, it was going to be 10,000 years and that we're picking up in media res. Well, the, the original script, it is, I forget the math now, it's like 250 years ish. Really? Because okay. the end of Ruben's original script, he plans a birthday party for himself. And he's been keeping track of how many days he's in there by reading books in there's this little book nook in the bed and breakfast. Mm-hmm. And he keeps track of how many pages he reads, reads one page a day I see. and goes through all the books. And then he repeats it. And so when someone asks how old he is, he says, and it's 210 or 200, I forget the exact number. Jumping in from editing really quick to say, he says he is 263. Given the character of Phil Connors in the original script was supposed to be in his 20s, that means he's been in the time loop for somewhere around 240 years, which is a lot. Okay. And so there's supposed to be a specific number of days. Ramis, the director, has said, you know, 40 years. He's the one who put it in the script where it suggests it's like a thousand years or 10,000 that people cite. But then there's people who go into like all the stuff he can do. And like he learned French. He learned to play the piano. He learned all these other things. I'm like, he doesn't learn French. He quotes one lyric from a Belgian song, and that's the first thing he did and Rita didn't notice. He's going to keep doing that. He's not going to learn more of it because she doesn't challenge him on it. He only needs to do more if he's challenged. Mm -hmm. Learning piano, I don't know yet. It's an experiment I am tempted to try as I get closer to the end of the movie, so next year. Is it I want to find a piano teacher and tell him I just want to learn to play these two things. That's it. And see how long it takes. The two standards that he plays at yeah. the big show. That's yeah, because he he plays a slow version of. Insert here, me flailing to remember the name of the song he plays. You don't need to hear that. He plays the 18th variation from Rhapsody on a Theme of Paganini by Rachmaninoff. He plays a slow version, then speeds it up. You can learn that. He plays some generic dance music, and that's it. It's two things. He only needs to play more if there's reason for him to play more. The people already like him, and that's when Rita walks in. He knows when Rita walks in. We'll get to that with your time loop of the week when we get to that. (laughs) Someone who's in a time loop can keep track of stuff, especially if they're in there a long time. But this movie is establishing in this minute, he is good at paying attention to details. Like someone put the bank robbery as would take like, I don't know, a couple weeks to plan. I'm like, you don't say, I don't know and (laughs) guess. What did he find out? He noticed when a dog barks, which he could just notice. He clearly got hit by a car at some point and we missed it because <laughs> he stops for that car. Otherwise, it's just he may have observed casually that these two guys did, weren't paying much attention to the bags of money. The lifting the money out of the armored truck has always reminded me of 
a video game sequence where, you know, you're trying to do something like that. Where you're trying to steal something in that mm-hmm. exact moment where the guards viewpoints don't overlap in the area. Yep. So I, I know there's sequences in games like that or similar puzzles and things like portal. Sometimes that'll take me hundreds of tries that would be interminable if you could only do it once a day. Mm-hmm. Other times you'll get it in three or four tries. So I think with the money it could definitely have just been three or four days especially if there'd been some serious ones like getting hit by a car. Yeah. My dad's read of the film was always similar to yours about how he probably just learned a couple pieces on the piano really well and a few phrases and mm-hmm. wasn't actually becoming the, the true master of all trades. I think he does become a better person. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like he is reading poetry, he is reading books, he is learning stuff, but I don't think it's as complete. It would be really interesting if the, the message of the film was not only was he pretending and just doing this small bit of those things, but he was only a little bit better at the end too. Yeah. And he was still a jerk that had just had one good day. Well, he <laughs> is still sarcastic at the end. He is still making fun of people, but he's doing it more. It's kinder. Absolutely. My read of it, it's interesting. I my, my childhood memory of it for like a few years there was just that he did it maybe 40 times, like the number or maybe even 10 or 11 times, which most time loop movies do. There is a minimum. I, I figured out once the minimum is something like 37 days because we see enough separate moments mm-hmm. to kind of piece that out. Yeah. Like it, when I came back to it years later, I realized, oh, it's supposed to be like like an existentially long amount of time. Yeah. I, I remember, I think somewhere on the DVD, they say he would have had to learn some of these things. He would have had to do it 10,000 times, which works out to 27.4 years. Yeah. And then I think maybe Ramus said 10 years at some point. I like the 10 years read. That's just because I think it's the good balance between everything he does and learns to do and just his general personality if it goes on too long you're just this unhinged god type character i think Mm -hmm. you become more like nathan in ex machina yeah and unable to relate to anyone he'd be a puppet master to all these people exactly and you couldn't break out of it that's the thing like imagine the terror of encountering new things and making mistakes that he can't fix after breaking out of the loop at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you'd been doing that for hundreds of years, you just couldn't function. Yeah, regular life so. wouldn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it to be short because I think they set up very well, like his memory here, the fact that he is miserable at his job, even though he's pretty good at it, mm-hmm. means he also is going to be someone who will turn pretty quickly to getting depressed in this situation and turning to suicide and i think up until the suicide is literally the days we see Mm. so that it's he kills himself within weeks is because he doesn't see how there could be a way out of this that's not how his life works or how his brain works and so it's reasonable to me that he would do that fairly quickly and then when that doesn't work he has to try something different Mm. which in his case is better himself even the suicides there's a lot more of them than we see on screen. Yeah. We see him because he lists four them. different ways. Yeah. Right. And then in the diner. And he lists, I believe, six, and only one of those actually fits one of the ones we see. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's did it more times. I, I haven't talked much about details from the musical so far, but the stage musical, there's a great song where he is singing about how he's not one who's gonna give up. Mm-hmm. And he has to keep trying because you know tomorrow is another chance to try again. Days when every look 
looks condescending, empty smiles and empty faces. The same old places, the stunning stasis. Just let your spirit slip away. Let all your troubles crumble and decay. There's more than one way out. If at the end of the day you're at the end of your road, never give up hope. Never let yourself be defeated. If you tried it once, you can try again. A new day will follow. There's Disaster, you play your part, you march the march, you don't complain. You find a way, another day, surrounded by a cast of half-wit bastards, grinning masks amidst the gray. And yet you stay sane, and through the pain, the frozen pain of glass is drained to cast your gaze upon the have to tread and in your head that leaden dread the fucking roads have all been trod and there's no way and there's no god and god oh god this goddamn weather will last forever so hard to find my way out of this mess but I but I'm so tired I swear to you I've tried and sometimes I just want to give up just give up and stay here and live but I know there's no point in denying that I will keep trying I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a quitter I'll never give up, never give, never give up, never give up
razors and robe You may wanna live But baby, don't give up And the whole song is very optimistic suggesting he's talking about getting out of the time loop and escaping, but he's literally talking about all of the ways he's tried to kill himself. Jeez. And he's going to try again tomorrow because one of these times it'll stick. And the song is just called Hope. But the thing he's hoping for at that point in the musical is to die. I still haven't seen any of these beloved films turned into musicals. Like there's some really famous examples yet. Mm. Groundhog Day I could see working pretty well. It'd be interesting if they had an Evil Dead-esque kind of splatter row in the front for the different suicide scenes. If he jumped <laughs> uh, or getting splashed by the bathtub or anything like that, you could you could have a lot of fun with. But So yeah, he's in the room and I, I liked... In this moment, and it's interesting as many times I've seen this, that this felt more important this time because we get, you know, the big question on everybody's lips, chap lips, they're chap lips, right? But the big question also for Phil, and this is sort of the point of the movie, is do you think Phil's going to come out and see his shadow? <laughs> and that's basically what the movie is about, is he has to keep being in this place until he sees his shadow and turns away from it. Right. And I don't even know that they meant that phrasing to fit that way. They did deliberately name him the same as the groundhog. That was on purpose. That's a really good point. I have never thought about that read of it before with Phil Singy Shadow. It's just, yeah, that him having the same name of the groundhog has mm-hmm. always just been, I think, something that he's annoyed by. Yeah, it's played for laughs. By. Yeah. And I think it also kind of, it's the closest thing the film gets to an explanation. I, I know there's the original script stuff with him being cursed by an ex-girlfriend. And here I am in jumping in from editing again. It's like I'm in my own time loop. I just wanted to reference it has been brought up in previous episodes and probably will come up again. The original script has no cause. It starts in media res. He's already in the loop. And at the end, he's out. Rita's in. No explanations. It was along the time of the revisions that producers were like, we need to have an explanation. They wanted to dumb it down for the audience. And they wrote a scene and never filmed it. And there were two different versions of the curse and the ex-girlfriend stuff. Both are bad, and neither was supposed to ever be in the film. From Reuben or Ramus or Murray, none of them wanted it. And we were all better off for it not being in there. Back to Parker. I always love that this is inexplicable and seemingly being done by God or the Buddhist universe or something like that. But I think him having the same name as the Groundhog, that's at least enough for him to think it's connected to the Groundhog later during his first suicide. But even then, they didn't want to go, once they had Bill Murray, they couldn't go too far on that because then he wants to kill the Groundhog. Mm -hmm. He does take the Groundhog with him when he kills himself, Mm -hmm. but it's not the same thing. They wanted him to go to the library where Punkstani Phil lives and try to gun him down. Hmm. But he had just filmed Caddyshack, Ah. where he spends the whole movie trying to kill a gopher. And he's like, no, they weren't going to do it. I'm glad that they didn't do it in the film. I think I definitely would not have been able to rewatch it as a kid if uh, it had been one of what I called, you know, the animal dies type movies as mm-hmm. a kid. There are a lot of those I steered clear of. Well, the animal does die, but we don't see it. It's off screen and, and it's yeah. resurrected immediately. That was, exactly. I could live with that as a kid. I could live with Artax in the never ending story because mm-hmm. you get a bit of a time loop at the end there. So it was just enough. 
And I, I love that it's the real groundhog too. In 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 Canada here, we have uh, Wyatt and Willie is our main groundhog, but we would always get the news just across, and because uh, Toronto's not too far from Pennsylvania, yeah. of uh, Punxsutawney Phil. So I always thought it was so cool when we would hear the report of the real groundhog from Groundhog Day. And I should note actually, like, so you're in California, yes, Los Angeles. Does it make as big a difference? You guys don't really do a groundhog six more weeks of winter type situation no. there, do you? No, not LA. winter for you is a bit temperate. Yeah. Winter is a it's... week in December when it rains. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that here in Toronto, it is a big deal, front page news. And uh, regardless of how serious you take it, there's an enormous difference between the winters where it gets warm in early February and mm. mostly stays yeah. that way. And the ones where it is still pissing ice in April. Mm. And yeah, like it, it, it's always a big kind of turning point that the film captures really well with the, uh, the snowstorms and all that. And of course, I've mentioned him a few times, but after this film, the town of Woodstock, where they filmed it, had their own groundhog and have had him since Woodstock Willie. Oh, that's wild. Huh. Who this year disagreed with Punk's Tony Phil and Woodstock Willie was wrong, huh. but he blamed the mayor. <laughs> he blamed a translation error by the mayor. Presumably not Brian Doyle Murray. No, no. In fact, technically, we're never told that he's playing the mayor here. And the mayor shouldn't be really? in Punxsutawney, the head of the Inner Circle. Mm. The Inner Circle is a private organization. that They're like uh, Elks Lodge kind of deal. So there may be some crossover between local government, but the mayor would probably be too busy. That's well. I never know how it works in small towns, but yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a politician. Here. In Woodstock, the mayor is the one who runs the festival. And this year it was a new mayor. And so they put out two different statements blaming the new mayor and he didn't know Groundhog E's well enough yet. Remember back in February when that qualified as a political scandal? Yeah, such an innocent <laughs> time. Yeah, good times. <laughs> I, I suppose it should be said, because we've really glossed over, this is the, the wham moment of the film. This is the moment where if you went to this film knowing nothing about it, mm -hmm. up until this minute, the first 10 seconds of this minute, it would just, I think, seem like like a John Hughes planes, trains, and automobiles vacation type thing about some guy who gets stranded in a small town and you right. do slapstick, everything's going wrong, he's got to learn to better himself. This twist would be so out of left field. And this, it's Spielberg talked about if people saw Back to the Future the first time, the moment where you find out it's about a time machine is a big deal. But the really big moment is when Marty recognizes his dad. And he said he loved seeing it with test audiences that only knew the title of the film because that's what got the big reaction. That's where you realize huh. this is what this movie's about. So here it's, oh, it's the same day again. Yeah. And still, for all we know, it could just be a guy doing the same day twice let alone. So yeah, this is the big, the fulcrum of the rest of the film. Or it could literally be, since they don't show us quite well just yet, they're playing yesterday's tape. That's true as well. Yeah. It could still be, this is such a small town that like they took a day off. It, it could be a big misunderstanding movie about this guy thinking it's February 2nd again and living that <laughs> way and causing all these problems. The man who knew too little. Yeah. <laughs> or that episode of Children's Hospital, which I talked about a few weeks ago, uh, where he thought he was in a time loop, but he was wrong. Their days just were very repetitive. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but that's brilliant. So the, the DJs continue and the timing on things is was interesting again for me because when they say get up and check that hog out there is when he goes to the window this time, mm -hmm. which he gets to the window actually a few seconds later than he did the first time mm -hmm. 10 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. But interestingly... I think for this time, they could have literally used the same shot out the window, but they don't. They use a different take of the same extras doing the same things. Really? 
Weirdly, it's a few seconds later, the cars are farther ahead. Hmm. And then there's people in the street. There's some that are behind where they were the time before and some that are ahead. It's not like they're all exactly where they were before. And it's not like they're all off in the timing. In theory, they should be exactly where they were or just behind because he's getting to the window a couple seconds later. Absolutely. Because he hasn't been out of his room. He shouldn't have changed anything yet. If he's a couple seconds later, they would be farther ahead though, right? Yes. Yeah. Which for the vehicles, it is fine. The speed they're going, they shouldn't quite be as far ahead, I think, as they are, but it's fine. But some of the people are very far off. I see. Okay. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I'm I'm positive I always thought it was just the, the same shot replayed. It should have been. Twice. <laughs> it would have been an easy way to do this is just use the exact same shot, even adjust the timing by a couple of seconds just so that we question it. But it's a different take. That's really cool. And the, I suppose like the, the main thing he notices here is that there's not much snow, if any, on the ground right. when there has been this huge blizzard. And it did snow last night. I will say, again, from my Toronto point of view, it's not super uncommon to have a huge, ridiculous blizzard. And then the next morning, it's like nothing happens. Sometimes it does all <laughs> melt by the next day if it gets warm enough or sunny enough. It's not like always like that but it happens once or twice a winter and at the very least here it's still something i think he would notice but it's not proof that it's the same day over again yet it could be proof if he commented on it because he is a weatherman Mm -hmm. he would know what kind of blizzard it was very true and he does have a lot of windows in his room so he would have seen that blizzard and how big it was definitely but since there's no real snow in the film until the end there wasn't real snow anyway for this shot and they didn't want a lot because it's the morning before it's part of the visual for us is that that's the same vehicles it's only been 10 minutes since we saw this we might remember Mm -hmm. the truck turning that corner we might not remember all of the people down on the ground his reaction like we were talking about earlier like when he actually has this like what the heck moment Mm -hmm. that seems to be reacting to the radio saying is this groundhog day again even though he thinks that's a tape like to, to me, looking closely at it, it could be because just the sun coming through the window is the same as yesterday and not the same as it would be if it were really snowy out, especially right. if he's a weatherman and notices these things. I think maybe like the human rhythm can tell when it feels the exact same as the day before and not a new day. And But no one's really ever been through that. So Especially if he regularly gets up to an alarm in the morning, mm-hmm. which he probably does with his job. We don't know if he's the morning news guy, but some news people work off and on all day because they're just their person at their station. And so looking out the window, he says, what the hell? (laughs) So here we are. I take it for granted that a lot of it is just him seeing this broken base that you mentioned from the script that uh, for whatever reason, Ramus chose not to use. I like the subtlety. There's a lot of stuff like that that they could have included and they went less. Mm -hmm. They went smaller on most things. And I think that helps the movie overall. But in little moments, it'd be nice maybe if they had a better cue for us. True. Yeah. It's always tough with, I think, with fantastical premises, especially magical realism. That's, I think, where pacing is always the most important in horror or in some sort of situation like this or like Ex Machina somehow does it well by even though it jumps to the robot really quick and it Mm -hmm. feels natural. But here I love when characters gradually figure things out at a realistic pace so the audience isn't a million miles ahead of them and just waiting for them to get a clue. But it isn't also just annoyingly fast in a way that breaks the immersion. That is now one of my problems watching so many time loop movies and TV things is there are always the markers at the beginning Mm -hmm. where now I'm like, 
oh, that's going to happen tomorrow as well because it's one of their cues. <laughs> like something will fall off a table or some music will play. And I'm like, okay, I see why that's in this scene. And sometimes it's too many things. I'm like, you're doing too much. We just need like two or three. That's it. I think Happy Death Day, I think, had quite a few of those, but it was <clears> it was very savvy as well. Like it's it's a difficult genre to do now because Groundhog Day just did it so well, so famously. And for a long time was kind of the only one that I think yep. just everyone recognizes all the, the thing. It's hard to do it differently from that unless you're parodying it. It's to the point where any character in any movie or anyone we know in real life, like recognizes a time loop. If this happened to you or me tomorrow, it'd be weird. But our thing would be like, oh, it's like Groundhog Day. OK, what do I do? What did he do in Groundhog Day? So I am prepared for this, by the way, if anyone around me <laughs> is in a time loop, I have a code that no one knows that if they're in a loop and convince me, I will have told them so they can convince me faster the next time. Brilliant. Always important to have contingencies like that. I don't know how to prove to other people I'm in a time loop if that happens. I would figure that out. There's a short film that I mentioned when we were messaging called Groundhog Daying. It's a yeah. four minute skit and it's hilarious and it's a real good just diving straight into a, oh, you're, you're doing a Groundhog Day, mm -hmm. right? Yep, I am sort of thing and, and just gets right to it. And it's really, really fun. Actually, we can talk about that now and then come to the hallway. So we'll do oh, excellent. time up for the week now. Most of life is just junk, right? It's, it's filler. And then there's these moments when all the randomness turns into something perfect. It's like life dropping all the bullshit just for a second to show us how amazing it could be all the time if it wanted to. Hmm. I don't know. I think maybe we're supposed to become like better people. No, I honestly don't even know how that could be possible. Never think about it. We must miss so many of them. All those tiny perfect things are just poof, gone, lost forever. But not today. That is a disturbingly inspirational idea, Mark. It's a perfect day. You couldn't plan it be like this. Well, you can. It just takes an awful lot of work. Time. last revision is what counts apparently what if we found them all all the perfect things in this one town in this one day we could collect them i watched that after you sent me the link i hadn't actually seen that one before i'm so glad and it, it was now the 209th entry on my imdb list of time loops trying to make a definitive list of time loop tv episodes <laughs> and movies there are also books and short stories out there this one is kind of clever. I think technically it was an episode of a TV show, maybe a sketch comedy show. I'm not sure what the thing was. Chris and something the name. Yeah, I, I think Chris and Jack is just like a web group. I think they just, maybe. I'm not sure yeah, if they were ever releasing skits and blocks on TV, but yeah. It, it shows up on Letterboxd as its own thing. So I count it as a film. Hmm. IMDb doesn't always differentiate very well. Podcasts are listed <laughs> on IMDb. So that's for sure. But no, I, I like it because it's going for a very specific feel of this guy who's been in a time. It's just a single instance of a loop and he has been in there for a long long time but he's still having fun mm -hmm. he's not depressed he's just knows stuff about everyone yeah like i like how it is like in terms of how much it cuts to the chase we're seeing someone who is clearly in one of these ones that's gone on for hundreds of years like mm -hmm. all the stuff he describes doing he's basically but he's like, still going to work 
Exactly. He's still going to work. He's done things that he would have had to travel around the world to do. He's met everyone on earth. He's read every book. But the godlike nature of this character and that we rarely get to see somebody in that kind of time loop who's talking to a regular person about the time loop. And the regular person figures it out. He doesn't even tell it. He's like, are you in a time loop? (laughs) Love it. And it's Again, like uh, something where the regular people just accept the premise so fast because we've all seen mm-hmm. Groundhog Day. We right. can recognize someone in a Groundhog Day scenario and then ask them that and just be able to get into it. He doesn't have some kind of existential crisis. But similar to Ex Machina, where you've got Nathan and Caleb and one person is this godlike figure who knows everything and he's trying to pal around with a regular person. The regular person cannot possibly ask adequate questions or teach the other person anything. And he's not asking anything he hasn't heard before. (laughs) Exactly. And he's disposable. Yeah. So yeah, he gets bored and he wants to kill him. <laughs> yeah. The the notion of, yeah, <laughs> that's not even a spoiler. It's a four minute film. Exactly. He's like, yeah, I got bored. So he pulls out a knife. <laughs> so good. Uh, this, the short is also really sold by the fact that I think Chris is the one who's going through the loop is this really talented performer who can do all these juggling tricks and card tricks and stuff yeah. for real. That's what, uh, really, like, if if you didn't have somebody like that. Yeah, it wasn't a visual uh, effect. He just starts juggling. Exactly, right? So that's, you kind of need to spend 10,000 hours just doing that to even make the skit in the first place. But yeah, a lot of fun learning Danish, talking about things you never see that re- would require a lot of special effects. Mm-hmm. Really, really fun. Even just that they, not that he does like juggling in a card trick, but he does the end of a card trick. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't pick a card. We didn't see any of that. Just suddenly eight of clubs. <laughs> like, I guess. <laughs> well, clearly that's the card. We just know. And also to uh, to kind of tie it to Eternal Sunshine as well, right? Like it's the, he talks about how he's Andy McDowell, the guy at some yeah. point. Have you found and Andy, Andy McDowell? McDowell? Wait, if you Andy McDowell, so me. From, <laughs> and from the point of view of the, uh, the guy who's been Andy McDowell has been seduced by him and forgotten. It's like eternal sunshine. He now has yeah. this whole relationship that he's forgotten and is shown a shred of evidence for it and immediately agrees that, Oh yeah, that would work. <laughs> yeah. And, he, and we don't get to see what he shows up. Just here, read this. <laughs> like, Oh yeah, that would work. <laughs> it's really great. Go, go watch it. Google groundhog daying groundhog daying yeah yeah it's four minutes well spent i'll put a link in the description as well on this episode because any of the youtube ones i put the link and i love anything like that like i've said that that just treats a well-known premise as old hat and ready Mm -hmm. to be discussed well yeah he uses andy mcdowling as a verb yeah i use phil connering as a verb in my blog (laughs) like him taking advantage of nancy was him phil connering or you use information that you're not supposed to have not to get too overlappy between the shows but there's even some of that later in ex machina in terms of caleb suspecting that he's a robot Mm -hmm. and cutting himself up to see he's been there for three days and he jumps to that conclusion the same way an audience, everyone in the audience watching that movie, I'm sure, was thinking, oh, I bet one of them is a robot. I bet yep. he thinks about that because he's a sci-fi fan and is willing to accept that premise, just like, you know, you might accept Groundhog Gang a lot faster in this day and age. Right. And especially now, because there are so many of them. Mm-hmm. My uh, IMDb list has 209 right now. And my time loops of the week, I'll be quick because <laughs> I could do a whole thing on this. Last Friday, my wife was out of town for the weekend because her grandmother turned 102. Wow. So she went to visit her. So Friday, I watched seven time loop films. That was my day. I'll try to keep them to like a sentence or two each. First one was Infinity Chamber. This is time loop as a psychological punishment. 
essentially in a virtual prison. They make these people just repeat the same stuff over and over. The computer even gets reset. So it occasionally introduces itself like they're new just to fuck with them. And it was actually pretty good. <laughs> then Mind Games, which is set up like a basic horror film. Bunch of 20-somethings go out to a cabin for the weekend. And then they happen into a mine that is near the house and things get weird. What's really good in this one is that even if you know it's a time loop, none of the characters know it is until almost the end of the movie. Hmm. Although then you find out that one of the characters we've been following might have known the entire time, might be the person from the second time through the loop and is manipulating the whole thing. And so it spends a lot of time where you're not, if you didn't know the premise, you wouldn't know the premise, which is pretty good. Mind games. Yeah. The next three are interesting because on my watch list, a lot of the ones I haven't gotten to were foreign ones because I know I have to pay a little closer attention because I got to read the subtitles and keep up. So Game Over, my third one, is a Indian film, Indian film about a video game designer. She is in a wheelchair, stuck in her house by herself, and people come in and kill her helper lady and kill her. And she wakes up again back on the couch and it's not that i think the loop is only like 20 minutes long half hour maybe so it's a quick little loop and she only repeats it a few times she immediately starts figuring out what to do about it and how to defend herself even though she's in a wheelchair the end is very horror film thing because there's a couple extra twists beyond that with this person who's coming in to kill her and it's pretty good the next one was japanese it's called beyond the infinite two minutes these people find out that their computer monitor can see two minutes into the future that's the entire premise and then they just try to manipulate that by putting it in front of another monitor to see if they can see two minutes further by repeating <laughs> it. And eventually you're looking even more minutes, not that far, because it keeps just getting smaller and smaller on the screen. But how do we use this to our advantage? How do we get rich? But then they realize that each time they tell themselves how to do something, they're telling them that because they know that's what they did in the past. <laughs> and so it's just <laughs> constant disappointment. Is it like the guy's like, which thing do I scratch on this lottery ticket? And so he tells himself, but then that's the thing he scratched. So that's the one he's going to tell himself to scratch because he knows what's there. And then it gets worse at the end, but really funny. The worse it gets, the funnier it gets. Because at one point, the guy has to protect a woman from being killed using, it's a rubber pill bug, a symbol from a drum set, and a bottle of ketchup. <laughs> but he only has those things because they saw that those are the things he had. MacGruber. <laughs> it's just, if you've seen time crimes, it's that, but as a comedy. And then the next one was a Korean film, which I forget to say the title of. It is called A Day, which was actually really good and dramatic and sad, which is about a father who is just getting into town. He's supposed to see his daughter for her birthday and she gets hit by a car. He has an hour from when he woke up on the plane just before landing to get back to that same spot and try to save her. And then the further complications happen because he finds out that someone else in that same accident is also in a time loop. And then a third person is also in a time loop. And there's this hour interaction that keeps getting worse the more they try to stop each other. And it ends up being very sad as like one of them decides if they kill the other guy, it'll get them out of the loop. One decides he has to save that guy to get out of the loop and they have to work against each other. And it's pretty good. The next one was High Spirits, which the movie is not a time loop movie. It's just a haunted castle movie, but it comes up on the keyword time loop on IMDb because a couple of ghosts are stuck in a loop where every night this guy kills his wife because he thinks she's cheating on him. And then new people arrive at the castle and pull her out of the loop. So the loop is only one scene of the movie, but it's still a basic setup. And then I save the worst of the group for last. It's called And Then Came Lola. If you've seen Run, Lola, Run, it is that movie if it is gay and boring, <laughs> which is too bad because it's a reasonable setup. You know, show different ways this person could have gotten something done in their day and get somewhere fast. Run, Lola, Run is great, but it's great because it has tons of energy and it's always fast paced. 
This movie is really slow and really insistent on only involving lesbians in almost every scene. So that was my Friday because <laughs> that's what I do. Currently, I only have about three or four time loop movies that are accessible that I haven't seen. There are a few that just aren't out there. I haven't found good copies of them on the internet even. So I'm running low. To be honest, when you said last Friday I watched seven, mm -hmm. the pause there, I assumed you meant you watched seven, the David Venture film. Oh, no, no. Because that's a movies. Friday in itself. Yeah. So seven movies is a lot. Mm -hmm. I think my record is about four in terms of four unrelated movies. Yeah. But it sounds like a fine life. If you count short films, I've done 20 something in a day before. That's awesome. But these were all technically feature length. A couple of them were pretty short, I think. And then came Lola was like 70 minutes or something like that. A lot of those sound really, really interesting and yeah. really cool. And I have not heard of a single one. <laughs> and they were all very different takes on what a time loop is in a movie. Because you have real ones, you have depressing ones, you have funny ones, psychological ones. Not every time loop is real. If you look at my time loop list of 209 movies, they're not all literal time loops. Because sometimes you use time loop for effect. Or the effect is the time loop. That is kind of an interesting point, too. The fact that Groundhog Day, I think, was the only real time loop movie like for, for so, so long. I think mm -hmm. It was prominent in pop culture. I had never really thought about how it could be used for you know a horror premise or an action right. premise or anything serious for, for years and years until, I guess, maybe Edge of Tomorrow was kind of the first one. That, yeah. And when Edge of Tomorrow came out, almost everyone was comparing it to Groundhog Day specifically and calling it Groundhog Day directed by Michael Bay and things yeah. like that. Now I see it's become kind of its own thing, like just the time loop genre, and obviously much deeper than I'd even realized before hearing. Yeah, it. they can do a lot with them. Mm -hmm. There's a great one. Oh, what is the title of that movie? It's just Drop the Drive. The dr it is called The Fair. I'll have to talk about it in the show. It's basically a metaphor for hell, mm. and it's just a guy. There's, I think the cast is two people in a car on a highway. That's it. Love it. But it still has so much going on in like a feature length. It works. And then there's short films that are really simple that also work. You mentioned Happy Death Day already. That's basically, what if there were a slasher film, but there was only one victim? Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's a good way to put it. Go from there. And it works. Some don't work, but some work. This could be a good opportunity, I guess, to... There's a book that I absolutely love and heavily recommend called Life After Life by Kate Atkinson. Hmm. And it's a novel about a woman who she's born at the beginning of the 1900s and she dies like a minute after being born and then relives her life from the beginning, just that minute, and then makes it to about age four and dies and then lives her life over again from the beginning again. And uh, I read it right after seeing Edge of Tomorrow because I loved Edge of Tomorrow so much. And then I read the description of this book and I'm like, oh, it sounds like Edge of Tomorrow. It's a time loop that she dies and that's how the loop restarts, except that it's living her whole life again from the beginning instead of just the previous day. Yeah. And you see multiple, she lives through both world wars. She gets further and further and then lives all these drastically different lives. And she can only vaguely remember the previous ones each time. But it's this just terrific piece of 20th century fiction that is, it's, it's an excellent, excellent read. And if you like time loop stuff, I don't think I'd have heard of that one either. So I will look that up because that reminded me of one I think I've mentioned on the show before replay by Ken Grimwood. It's basically a guy who, when he dies, suddenly is, I think it, I don't, he doesn't go back to like birth, but he goes back to when he's like 20. Mm. And then when he dies, he goes back to like 
when he's 25 and he dies and goes back to when he's 30. And so he keeps getting less and less of his life to relive. Mm. But each time he can basically get a better idea of what does he want to manipulate to have a life that he can enjoy. That'd be pretty sweet. And how much did he want to put back? Because problem with a time loop like that is you might not like what you fix, but then you're stuck with it. You got to go through the rest of your life. (laughs) Books and short stories are the ones I need to get to now because I've seen most of the movies and TV things. They still make new ones, of course. We've had a nice couple of years to really catch up on stuff without obligatory huge releases every couple months. Mm-hmm. Those days are over now. Yeah, we'll go back. Mm-hmm. But there is a little bit left of the minute because mm-hmm. we get him interacting with the man in the hallway again. I like that it's basically the same angle of the hallway, but tighter on them like immediately. So it's already a little different visually for us. He says, morning, I'll see the groundhog. Yeah, I think it'll be in early spring. Didn't we do this yesterday? I don't know what you mean. Hmm. And he grabs them by the lapels and shoves them up against the wall by the stairs. So don't mess with me, pork chop. What day is this? February 2nd, <laughs> Groundhog Day. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and he just lets him go and goes about on his way into next one. Can you imagine calling someone pork chop to their <laughs> face? Like it just makes, you see it in movies all the time, especially from back then. And it's like, it's not out of character for, for Phil Connors right. or like any Bill Murray character, Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, you know, but just like when I was rewatching this minute for it, it's like, like it's mortifying the idea of just <laughs> insulting someone to their face. Even if he thought this guy was really messing with them, yeah, like he's being friendly. It could just be a prank. This horrible reaction to it is, is you know, spine clenching. Yeah, this is a total stranger who also is staying in the same place he is. Yeah, he's got to run into this guy. It's he's, he's treating him like this is a Michael Douglas level reaction. Right. This is Michael Douglas like during a deposition. Like what's the most over the top thing you can do to this guy right now? <laughs> Throw him against the wall and call him pork chop. Terrifying. Because they're both. He was, well. Phil is staying here tonight. He doesn't necessarily know that at this point, but he's staying there tonight. He's still going to see this guy, you know, just call random people pork chop. (laughs) You must remember 1993 better than I do. Like, were people just that much ruder back then? Like, not in reality, but in comedy, sure. (laughs) Like, the actor playing Man in the Hallway, he was on like Herman's Head. He was on a sitcom where he played Animal, who was like this guy's id basically oh okay. yeah rude course, things right. was part of comedy but that's why comedy <laughs> you can't treat it like reality sometimes especially if it's from the 80s or 90s oh big time yeah like you there's probably less overt deliberate rudeness from sympathetic protagonists in comedies now mm-hmm. now protagonists are either obliviously rude or just well-mannered and awkward and- or, or they'll have another character always there to call them on it yes it's like oh you can't say that Very- anymore The show Hacks does that a lot because the older comedian, she's been who she is for a long time and she says the thing she says. And then the younger woman is always like, yeah, you can't call it that anymore. We don't do that. And so this actor, so this is the guy who was on Seinfeld. He uh, takes George's baby name. George is planning on naming his eventual kid Seven. Oh, is this, was that him? That's him. Yeah. And George suggests the name Soda to them and they hate it. And then they <laughs> find out about the name Seven and they love it and they name their kid that. And George is furious. So that's him. And he's the Santa Claus in the park in Home Alone yep. that gives him the Tic Tacs. That was his first official role. Really? That's film, a yeah. big first role in a John Hughes movie. Yeah. Well, it's a small bit, but yeah, with the way that movie yeah. is held up, it's an important thing. We remember that moment. Big time. And then he went from that to this. Oh, that's awesome. So pretty good. 
that's a meteoric rise. And then he was a regular on a sitcom right after that on Fox, who was just becoming a network. Wow. It's a good start. Mm -hmm. And then my last note for this minute is essentially um, because some people like to nitpick timing, like day three, Phil clearly runs, but shows up at Gobbler's Knob at the same time. I'll explain why I'm okay with that whenever we get to that in another few minutes. But this one, yes, he may have been in a hurry because he's panicking, but he also took the time to put on his coat and his scarf. He didn't have them on yesterday. So he took an extra step. He's coming out at the same time at the stairs where man in hallway is still there. So I'm okay with it. I love when things hold up yeah. to scrutiny like that time was. My last note here that I have is this was probably the first film that I saw go through the cultural appraisal from beloved comedy to one of the most important films of the decade and the spiritual thing that right. gets cited and things like all that. A few films have done that. This is the main one that I associate with seeing it every step of the way and remembering when I first would see articles about how it's like this huge Buddhist film. It's yeah. like the most Buddhist mainstream film. And there was some really highbrow like film writer at some point who did a list of his top 10 best films ever. And I think like literally nine of them were films like I'm a pretty big film buff. I had never heard of any of them. They were all <laughs> like foreign. I'm, they might almost none of them were in English. They were all foreign. Groundhog Day might have been the only American one on the list. Huh. And like, you know, maybe Godard films or Kurosawa, like at the most mainstream. And then like number 10 was Groundhog Day. And it was just like, wow, this is I'm so glad that it's it's getting to this or it's gotten to this point. So, yeah. And then it still can be experienced as a simple comedy, too. Absolutely. Like it still works without that. So if people want to hear you talk about another movie. Uh, yeah. So I co-host the Dick Tracy Minute podcast with my friend Rob, who's from the All-Star Superfan podcast. The Dick Tracy Minute is a film minute podcast, just like this. We're going through it one minute at a time. There's an outrageous amount of hidden details, production design stuff, and crazy actor backstories in that film. And we have we have a lot of fun with that. We're eight minutes in so far, and we're hoping to get some of the cast members on in the near future. So yeah, check us out. The, uh, the best place would just be Instagram at Dick Tracy Minute. You can get the RSS feed link there, or on Facebook, the Dick Tracy Minute Bullpen. Thank you for listening. The Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for Minutia Ex Machina, every Wednesday for more Groundhog Day, and every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. And you can follow all three shows in one feed. Just search an existential trilogy. Follow this show on Twitter at Groundhog Day MXM and on Instagram and Facebook at Groundhog Day Project. This has been a production of Lemming Drop Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. through time. What is wrong in the end which never comes? Or which comes again and again, laughing, 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 like waves. Since the Big Bang set everything in motion, everything that happens in this universe has to be the way it is. Man, are you hungry? I haven't eaten since later this afternoon.
particles unfolding the way they're destined to. How do you sleep at night? You've never seen Groundhog Day? Mm. Yeah, you know Groundhog Day is not a documentary.